I'm a guy with the camera here. If you die, can I have your car? Sweet. <laughs> Curious rambling. <laughs> Good afternoon, Albert. Good afternoon, Ben. Ooh. Pouring some beers. The beer of the week. I love your glassware. You seem to have just really nice glassware. Thank you, Ben. Fancy European glassware. So what's the beer? The beer this week is Mountain Goat Summer Ale by, I believe they're called Goat. It's a Victorian company. Okay. So with this one, it is a summer ale, as I said. It's 4.7% alcohol. It is low on the bitterness scale, so it's only 20. Good. So it's a summer beer for winter times, I guess. Mountain Goat. Are there many goats in Victoria? Possibly. Yeah. So it's Possibly. I had a bit of a look at the website. I didn't find out too much information. I also didn't look <laughs> too much <laughs> at all. But yeah, so the Mountain Goat Summer Ale, low on the bitterness scale, a lot of, I think, quite fruity. Let's try it. Cheers. Viva. Viva. Hair's looking pretty, pretty messy again today, Albert. I wanted to go um, Mountain Goat style. So I think this is a beer that's very easy to drink and it's right up your alley. It is easy to drink. It's really, it's quite nice. Summer ales, oh, whoever invented those, eh? Well played, sir, well ma'am. I find the summer ales just that step when you get sick of lagers and you don't want to go completely to like a pale ale yeah. to go into the summer ale space, but pretty good. Can's nice, nice and what color would you call that? Tangerine? i call it tangerine, <laughs> yellowish, yeah. Do you know the uh, RGB or the Pantone? For this? <laughs> I know the hex. The hex do, yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, not really. So Ben, how's your week been? Um, how has my week been? It's been okay. It's been okay. Pretty boring week again. I've finally managed to go back to the gym. Have you? Sort of. Yep. <laughs> when I say sort of, I went to the gym and lifted weights once, I think. But I've been twice just on the bike cycle. Yeah. Just to get some cardiovascular fitness. I've noticed uh climbing my stairs to my apartment I'd arrive at my door quite puffed sometimes <laughs> I think that's not healthy so getting that cardio fitness back How about yourself anything interesting I've been to the gym a few times as well unlike you if you put on weight it sort of goes it filters out to your whole body right yeah pretty much me it, I think we'll just go to the one spot so I Where's want to that? try and avoid being a skinny fat man do you know oh, those skinny like dudes belly? Yeah, when they've got like a pot belly, yeah. skinny spaghetti arms, and yeah. like still a skinny face and neck. So That's those type like, of people where from behind, you're like, oh, that guy's just a normal looking guy. And then yeah. he turns around, it's like, shit. Yeah, and like a, you've got a comb over a pot <laughs> belly, a and guns just hanging belly, out. Glasses. <laughs> um, so I've been to the gym a few times trying to stay away from the skinny fat man bod. Yeah, <laughs> kind of fit, kind of fat. Kind of fit, kind of fat. Oh. Apart from that, being just a normal week, I've, I've seen a few things. We started watching this Mormon TV show on Netflix. Have you seen that? Oh, what's Keep it called? Yes, I, I haven't Prayer seen it. I was told to watch it. Yeah, that was pretty full on. Yeah, we ripped through that in a couple of nights, actually. Okay, are you a Mormon now? I'm not a Mormon, but these guys aren't the traditional Mormons. They're the Mormons where, like, some of the guys had 70 wives. Wow, that is dumb. And they had so many wives that they actually had to get rid of some of the guys that are in the town because there's not, not enough women for men. Oh, so. They, would you say ostracized? They're sort of all these oh, okay. like 20, 30 men, they had to sort of push them out. Why would they want, I mean, 20 or 70, how many do you say, 70 wives? One of the guys had about 73 wives. One is probably enough. too much. Well, I mean, enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's all about the whole polygamy and the more wives they have, the better chance. God looks at them better and blah, blah, blah. Okay. Well, I didn't read that in the Bible. But it's... Yeah, well, this is like a, what are they called? The is it Four Latter-day Saints or something like that? Religion is something I'm not really, <laughs> not really versed on too much. Yeah. Neither. And what else have I done? I've actually signed up to a Noongar language and culture course. Okay. Have I mentioned this on the podcast? No, you have not. So I started that. I'm just learning that on the train. It's this online course. So On the train? On the train and the bus on the way to work. So learn, learning a few words. It's about a six-week course, two to three hours a week. So I'm just going to use wow. my... I guess uh, public transport time yep. to learn about this. Oh, okay, that's good. Okay, so you've actually signed up and paid for it. It, it was free. It's free. So it's a free course not, with not like Duolingo or something. Okay, <laughs> no. That's good. You actually um, 
managed to sign back up the pottery as well this week. So, <laughs> Did you really? Yeah, I've got start in July, so. Wow. If you play your cards right, you might have yourself a little <laughs> cup by Christmas time. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah. What a cup that we can maybe drink, uh, can you drink it, Sam? I thought about making sort of, yeah, like miniature steins, yeah. but then we can't take nice photos where you've got the, the color of the beer. Mm. But I mean, I guess we could take a photo and then pour it into our, yeah, true. Into our Curious Rambling podcast stein. Curious Ramblings. Yeah. I've been watching videos about black holes and, uni- and the universe and, and paradoxes and stuff. Was that triggered by them seeing that massive black hole that they discovered? No, maybe, well, I guess maybe indirectly because YouTube just said, hey Ben, are you having trouble sleeping? Here's some more trouble for you. <laughs> uh, watch some stuff about black holes and paradoxes. <laughs> and now you're paranoid? And now I haven't slept in a month. <laughs> so it's kind of scary, kind of really amazing about the galaxy and the universe. Are we close to being sucked up by one? Uh, well, apparently there's a supermassive black hole at the heart of every galaxy. Is that not a song? Uh, I'm not sure which one came first. I think <laughs> black holes or the song, but yeah, it is a song, yeah. But anyway. Did you see that thing about the Google, was it a Google software engineer, I believe, who is on paid leave at the moment? About sentient AI or something? Yeah, did you see that? I didn't read, I saw the article, I uh, didn't read into it too much. What, what, what's the deal? So he believes that he's one of the, I'm not sure, is it some, it's called L-A-M-N-D or something like that, language for something. That was the acronym, acronym for something that now I can't remember. But he believes that the AI machine, which they're developing, I think it's a chatbot, yeah. that it's become sentient. So that means it's aware of itself, yeah. more or less. And I believe he asked the AI a question, what are you scared of? Yeah. And he said something along, along the lines of you turning me off. Oh, wow. But that's what this Google guy said. May be true. It may be, they're talking about some Michelangelo syndrome. Have you heard about that? Delusions of grandeur sort of thing. Something or? like that where I think he made a statue and he believed that the statue was also... Oh, okay. So this lines. is, um, so I think there are three levels of AI, right? artificial intelligence artificial general intelligence and artificial super intelligence yeah so the ai that we have now is just like your general chatbots and things like that and then your general is like human level or yeah. smarter than human then super is the one where i think that's the one everyone's worried about where they're like all right humans just are no longer required <laughs> well talking about that the whole ai thing um it's interesting you say that a lot of people or i think okay ai will will do some of the more boring jobs or some of the jobs that require not a uni degree or things like that or not like carpentry and some things like that i guess you need quite sophisticated ai for you know like a trade or becoming a doctor or even just sort of creative things like creative is a challenging one right but now there's an ai software that draws pictures so you can say what you want to draw and it will draw variations of that and it looks like paintings. Yeah. And I think I sent you the link, but it's also a little bit scary because you think with this whole AI that jobs that will be secured will be the creative jobs. Yeah. And because of AI, so our new podcast. jobs happen and podcasts and yeah. things like that. But one of the things I thought was like painting and yeah. being an artist and mm. stuff like that, that would be one of the last things that would go. But apparently now this thing can draw it within five minutes and do variations of it and it looks like someone just drawn it like a painting okay well i guess wow maybe some people there's still a market for humans human drawn things of course i think that'll still be there and all this ai stuff will unlock new jobs did you send me also a link about some sort of porn industry thing about computer generated um, porn porn stars there's this thing now where you can buy photos of naked women but yeah. it's, um, I think from their breasts up yes where was and that was that in the newspaper or that was on just some Facebook news oh, feed okay. that popped up I yeah, think a big right. thing yeah and computer generates a real woman yeah naked basically and yeah. um, you can pay a dollar or so for it okay how many did you buy uh, four yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, well, that's not less than I thought one of the I've got a couple of things works has switched from foam hand wash to liquid hand wash again mm-hmm. and i've really become accustomed to foam hand wash that's really my my hand wash of preference and anytime i use liquid now it just doesn't feel really right, right to me what do you what do you prefer probably foam foam it just yeah. yeah it just seems so much better i don't know why just foam into your hand it feels like it's foamy yeah, it already nice. you feel like, like you've, you've already lathered up i guess yeah exactly it feels like you're cleaning it better yeah whereas liquid is you know generally 
typically used for the lubricants. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know about that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well. There's other thing that's happened. Um, obviously, Domenica, um, we've got the little one, so she's avoiding too much caffeine and she loves her coffees. Yeah. So most mornings I have to go and get her a coffee. Mm-hmm. But I've turned into that guy who Domenica now, because she can't have dairy, <laughs> so the coffee that I have to get her is a decaffeinated cappuccino with oat milk. Yep. So every time I go there and I ask, I feel like the biggest way yeah. for some hipster. And I don't even drink coffee and I feel like I have to explain myself every single time. Yeah. And that they're secretly thinking, you know, here we go, this guy. It's so normal now though. <laughs> like if you go up and order a flat white, it's probably the, the least ordered thing on the menu because <laughs> yeah, could have like a non-dairy, low fat, oh. no, no carb, dairy free, ethically sourced, <laughs> whatever, you know. Halal. <laughs> uh, Talking about halal and food, what's the worst thing you've eaten that you wish you never ate? I don't know. It's, I, I was thinking about this and I don't know if it's the worst thing I've ever eaten because I, I really do just... If someone gives me food, I'll eat it. Like just out of politeness. <laughs> like even if I don't like it, I'll be like, this is really good, thank you. <laughs> so I just sort of... I can eat whatever. But I, Nicole and I went out for dinner one night we always used to just keep a, a jar full of loose change yeah. and just that would mount up. And one year we decided, let's just keep it and we'll go out for a really just nice dinner, sort of like basically free because it was all money that we did, really didn't miss was just coins in a jar. So we did that, we saved up and then we went to a Diga station, which I'd never done before. And we went to this one, I said, Googled it, where's the best Diga station in Perth? And it came up with this restaurant, I was super excited, went there, sat down. And the Diga station was basically just all I guess off cuts or like not normal cuts of meat. I was expecting to get like crayfish and wagyu steaks and just like <laughs> caviar and things like that. No, it was like tongue and brain and bone marrow, which was delightful. Bone marrow? Yeah. But the bone marrow was really good. From which animal? I'm not sure. It might have been a human. <laughs> uh, I can't, I'm not sure which animal it was from, but it was just all the sort of like off cutty stuff. Yeah. Now it was all pretty nice. But I was just so disappointed that I wasn't getting what I'd expected. So I guess that's like, I guess the worst food that I've ever eaten. (laughs) That's not bad at all. It's not bad. It's not like I've eaten slugs or anything, but that was just something that came to mind. So I've eaten lamb brain before. Oh, yeah. When I was a child. Yeah. Thanks, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) And I haven't really, yeah, like you haven't had too many things where I've just thought was horrible that I remember, but I did when I was young. As you know, I love my sugar and mm-hmm. my sweet stuff, and my dad loves his chili. I oh, was yeah. with him one time, and he had these homegrown chilies that were super spicy, which I didn't know about at the time. And being a nine-year-old, I wasn't didn't really know how hot and spicy things were because your parents usually avoid giving you yeah, those type of things. But you don't and have it. So he's had, I think it was like a, a carton of Buller honeycomb ice creams. Oh yeah. And I said, "Can I have an ice cream?" He goes, "Yeah, sure." But you have to eat this chili first. <laughs> and me being quite naive, I thought I'd just put the chili all in my mouth at once and start chewing away. Just, just to the get whole it chili. done with. Yeah. Yeah. So I put the whole chili in my mouth and started chewing. And what proceeded was just a fiery mouth for hours. Have I told this story before? I don't think I've heard this one, no. Fiery mouth. I had about four ice creams in the end, half a litre of milk and... <laughs> With my head over the sink, like, ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> trying to, it was almost like Dumb and Dumber when that guy, um, when they take that guy on the road trip. Oh, yeah. And they give him his, um, <laughs> yeah. they put chili in, he's like, yeah. pills are good, yeah. and he's, yeah. With the tomato so sauce bad. and mustard, yeah. It was hours of just a fiery mouth. I felt like I was a dragon. <laughs> Some, sometimes, uh, it doesn't happen to me, but I've heard that it can be quite spicy on the way out as well. Did you experience that? I can't remember. No. But... I can remember other times where I've had a bit of spicy Asian food or some yeah. things like that. And I yeah. thought, I'm glad I didn't have too much of that because... Yeah. <laughs> what's, who's that Johnny? Is it Johnny Cash, Burning Ring of Fire? Because yeah. <laughs> that song's relevant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, no, I'm lucky it doesn't happen to me. I don't get the asparagus pee either. I do. Do you? Yeah. yeah. I actually had asparagus this week. Oh, okay. And realised, wow, that does really stink. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, I get the corn poo. I, everyone gets that, right? Yeah, I have to say, I don't really look at my poo don't you too closely really? afterwards, no. I thought it was, you know, a European thing. Just It's uh, swiping goodbye. Oh, okay. Don't want to see. <laughs> I just often wonder, like, so if you, don't, if you don't chew the corn properly, it ends up in your poo. This is a well-known fact, right? It's documented by science. Yes. If you were just to just... Documented by, by science. science. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you were just to 
take maybe a couple of days where you do nothing but swallow like tins of corn kernels whole. Yeah. I just wonder if like any poop would come out or if it would just be like corn kernels blopping into the toilet at the end of, <laughs> end of a few days. Maybe you should try. Maybe we should give it a go and we can, <laughs> we'll post a photo <laughs> on socials. Something else I wish I never eat, Domino's pizza. I hate it and every time I eat it, I regret it. It just annoys me. Domino's pizza, yeah, it's cheap and... It's nasty. It's cheap and nasty. I'd yeah. rather just go and pay double the price and get a proper pizza. That's I'm the same, but sometimes, you know, there might be like... Convenience? A public, pardon? Convenience, just Convenience, there. public holidays or something. Yeah. Got, Nicole actually loves it and I just eat it and I'm just like, why am I putting this shit inside of me? Again. And yeah, again, we're pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I think we're done. Nah, yeah. um, we spoke about a world record. Oh no, let's do the red dot challenge. I'm keen to know... Oh, what your challenge is for this week? Yeah, because then I'll go this week and okay. see if I can find it. I actually went this morning, so I had a, a bunch of tasks to do today, <laughs> this morning, and I got them done much quicker than I thought. So really? yeah, I just took the opportunity, went for a bike ride at the gym, so oh, nice. I went on, did a haircut as well. Did you cut your own hair again? This one's, yep, all, all, all me. Or you again? Yeah, it's sometimes like when I, when I do it, it's sort of like an evolving thing. It takes a couple of days to just find the patches that I've missed. <laughs> and then I trim them down. And uh, So yeah, I went to Red Dot this morning and... So the challenge is you're going to describe oh, yes. something? No, no. I'm not going to tell you what it is. Yeah. Now, so the challenge is, I think we briefly touched on it last week. Yeah, but for the listeners who don't listen every week... I don't, well, that's their own fault. <laughs> yeah. Go back to last week's episode and have a listen. So the challenge is I have gone to Red Dot. It's just like a, a cheap store of various items. And I found something mm-hmm. and I'm going to give you a clue as to what it is. Okay. And you're going to go to Red Dot this week yes. and see if you can find the item that I've dis- not really described, given you a clue for. Because mm-hmm. I don't want to make it too easy for you. Is your red nearest red dot fairly decent in size? Inalu is the ne- nearest one? Yep. No idea because I try and avoid that place. Oh, okay. I think that's actually a pretty good... Every now and then you go in there and you find exactly what you're looking for. Just one of those <laughs> shops, yeah. So the clue that I'll give you... Are you ready? It's long, it vibrates. <laughs> oh, red dick. No. <laughs> uh, so it's fresh breath for your best friend. Okay. Do you think? I think I've got this. Oh, do you really? Yeah. We'll see. Okay. All right. Well, I look forward to... We'll see. I've taken a photo of the, of the items. So. Okay. That's the challenge. I'm going to go this week and see. I, I think I know. Do you well, what? Or do you know Red Dot page seven of the catalogue? No, said? maybe I'm thinking about an ad that is similar to what you just said. Okay. But let's see. I think, I think the clue... I think you might think you know what it is. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. We'll see. I, I look see. forward to what you do, what you come back with. Cool. And talking about food just before Red Dot Challenge, should we do the world record attempt? I reckon we give it a go. Yeah, I reckon. So what are we doing? So apparently the record for eating Ferrero Rocher's, Ferrero, such a hard Roche, word. Rocher? Rocher. Ferrero Rocher is in one minute, nine of them. Nine in one minute? In not one minute. There's a, I thought it was six in one minute. I thought it was lower as well. Oh, here we go. And then I was shocked and I was like, oh man, this is so much for a Ferrero Rocher. <laughs> <laughs> To, to eat in one day. <laughs> Do you want to spell it as well when I'm writing it in a text message? I often just put like three R's. A Ferrero. You just put Ferrari. Yeah. <laughs> Roger Federer's. <laughs> so we've got a box of them. 30, I think it was 30. I got, really, I got a good deal today actually. So we're going to have a go next week. Our next guest is also going to have a crack. Okay, okay, so we're not going to do it with him next week. So there's we're going to do it this not, week and next week. There's not enough actually. I can, we can always buy more. So you want to do it this week and then next week? Maybe we can take what we've learned from this week yeah. if we don't die. Dominican might come home and find us just like... CPR. Just choked. Bear like, hug. Yeah. About last week, we'll be dead on a pile of sex toys. <laughs> this is going to be probably one of the types of topics which is going to be hard to visualise. Just imagine me and Albert naked eating for our Rochers. <laughs> but yeah, it's going to be... I think we do it at the same time, right? We put one minute and we yeah. both to try it. So, and I'm pretty sure... I mean, I haven't really looked at it. I don't think you can have anything to drink, but I think you've got to unwrap them as well. So it's not, you, can, oh. you can't just have nine sitting unwrapped. Unwrapped. It's the whole process. Okay. Yeah. So I reckon we put nine in front of us. Yep. I mean, they're such a nice looking chocolate. They make a really good gift. So. Alrighty. Four, eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 
All right. I think last week I said it sounds easy. <laughs> <laughs> Did you? Yeah. I was going to die. I thought you said six. So I, I thought it was six as well, but I've got my head one numbers e upside down. One every ten seconds. Yeah. All right, let's... Um, Are you going... Do you have a plan? Are you just going to try to swallow them whole? Nah, because no, because I'll choke and I'll die. Yeah. Should we just get a triple zero on the, on the phone right now, <laughs> just in case? We need a doctor. Yeah. Where's Fabrizio? Oh, gosh. I'm, a, right. bit, I'm a bit nervous. Let's do the countdown. Oh, okay. So you want to use a timer on the phone? Yeah, yeah sure. we should yeah. use a timer. Because yeah. I think once we start, we're going to be that engrossed in the, in the challenge. Yeah. Let's do it. Timer. Let's try and do this safely as well. If you're feeling... <laughs> If you're feeling like you're going to die. I'm going for glory. You've got something to drink. Yeah, we've got beer. some beer. All right, that'll do. Whew. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you're nervous. You're nervous. You're little... nervous in the service. Oh, God. All right, you ready? Yep. Three, two, one. one go. Start. I've got a good wrap here. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. It's harder, though. Eh? <laughs> 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 Not... Mm. Oh god. I feel disgusting. I got seven. Did you have seven swallowed though? No, yeah, maybe not. I had seven in my mouth. So maybe I'll call it. How many did you have in your mouth? Six. But I could have put all nine, but you have to swallow it. Yeah, okay. To be yeah. honest, I think um swallowed in one minute would have been four. Four to four. Oh, okay. Right, yeah, definitely didn't beat the record. What a mess. They're so tasty though. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't eat lunch. How do you feel now? Feeling good. I'm glad we didn't die. <laughs> Actually, the, the choking thing was less of a, a hazard than I thought. So, wow. so next week when we do it again, I think we do it again next week, is there any uh, learnings that you've taken from this? I think you somehow got to really swallow it. As in, swallow it before you're ready to and just hope it doesn't get stuck. Okay, so there's, yeah, okay. All right, that was fun. I think we maybe really need a doctor <laughs> to be there because... I think we'll get Fabrizio oh, here. That was hard. Man, those, I'm so glad. I think all the calories I burnt on that bike today are now just <laughs> inside of me. Oh, jeez. So, World record attempt failed. Yep. But world records are never easy to, to, to break. That's why the world records. Maybe what we should do, that one was a pretty tough one. We mm -hmm. should look at every couple of weeks trying to break a world record. Uh, there has to be something that's just quite simple and low. Uh, we can do it. Just, and just, I don't know, call up the Olympic world record people. Uh, not the Olympic ones, because we're not Olympians. <laughs> the Guinness world record people. <laughs> and... Yeah, I think they have to be, you have to do it properly, like have it timed, have it videoed and all that sort of stuff. So maybe that should be the goal of our podcast now. At least one world record a year. <laughs> Attempt or? No, no, we, we hold. Wow. Surely we can have... How good were that? Can we set a, should we set a goal where we, okay. by the end of our, by the end of our podcast, record. we have a, a, a record under our belts? Guinness record? Or one just... that's already official or <laughs> we just make up one? We can no just one... make one up, yeah. <laughs> Shittest podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, should we maybe give our guest a call? I think we've done enough dumb getting... shit to start the day, yeah. So, so our next guest, Gary, I believe he's an environmental scientist or he's been in that sort of conservation and environment sector industry for over 10 years which is definitely something that's growing and becoming more important, sustainability and, and wildlife conservation, things like that. We're seeing climate change, all those things are allegedly. major topics. Allegedly, allegedly. says Ben. <laughs> so it'd be good to get Gary on, get his point of view, see what he's done and uh, have a bit of a chat. Hey, fellas. Good afternoon, Gary. Hey, Gary. Hey, how are you? Good, thanks, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad considering. <laughs> oh yeah, I heard you've got the uh, the vid. Yeah, still recovering with with Corona, but no, nah, it's not too bad to be honest. Just fatigued and stuff at the moment, so not too bad. Yeah, okay, that's good. I've known people that have been really knocked for six, lost their sense of smell, lost their sense of taste. Just yeah, sounds horrible. Yeah, thankfully I'm not one of those. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, Ben's you've avoided it so far. Somehow I yeah I'm immune to it. <laughs> 
Yeah, <laughs> it's coming for you, mate. It's only a matter of time. <laughs> oh, mate, it's not for a lack of trying. I've been everywhere, man. Like, I was locked in a room with some strippers and I didn't get it. <laughs> hey, um, thanks for jumping on today for a chat. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me. Um, I guess let's get started. So one of my questions was, how did you get into the whole environmental studies and conservation? Yeah, so that's yeah, a good question to kick off. I mean, it's, it's something I think I always kind of wanted to do. I, I mean, when I first left high school, I didn't really have any idea what I wanted to do, and I was just working kind of random jobs for a bit in call centres and things like that. Um, but then, you know, I've always had that affinity for the environment, and I think growing up, you know, our parents always took us out to national parks and things like that. So you just had that exposure from a young age. So it's, I suppose, naturally something that, that did appeal to me. And then, yeah, realised I didn't just want to work in, you know, jobs where I couldn't really see a future for myself and went back and, and did a cert for at TAFE first. Realised, yeah, you know, this is what I wanted to do and then followed on from there and jumped into uni and kind of never looked back. So, yeah, been working, uh, what, since about 2009 or something now in the environment sector. So, yeah, racked up a few years now. Old time, yeah, old yeah. time almost. <laughs> I just remember young Gary from back when we were in high school. <laughs> now you're out saving the planet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, saving the planet like Captain Planet, mate. <laughs> yes, yes. He, oh man, he's a hero. He's going to bring pollution down to zero. Is it just? Yeah. A, is it a four-year um, degree like everything else, or is it a bit longer? No, so yeah, it was. Um, I mean, the standard degree is three years, and then I did a fourth-year honors research project where I kind of researched freshwater fish. Um, which they're actually pretty cool fish. Um, if you want to look them up, there's one called a salamander fish, and that one actually burrows into the ground over summer when the wetlands dry up and survives when the, basically all the wetlands have dried up. So pretty cool fish, and not many people know about it. So that's kind of what I did my research on. And then, yeah, that was the fourth year of honours. But, yeah, there's obviously more studies people can do in the field, but you yeah, haven't gone down that path as of yet. With that, the salamander fish... Um you, you've been involved in, in translocation and moving animals from certain sites, is that correct? Yeah, so that was, I suppose, more part of my um, employment after the studies. Okay. Um, you know, a lot of my early work was doing fauna capture and relocation, so predominantly on things like where there's housing developments and housing estates going up, we were basically going in there and trapping fauna before, we, um, before the bulldozers basically came in. Um, and then we'd relocate them to approved sites. So, you know, the local governments and, and state governments approve certain areas for relocation. So a lot of the time it's to, to national parks and regional parks that we were relocating them out. So um, a lot of reptiles and things like bandicoots and stuff, we were quite often doing that. And then I did a bit of that work up on up in the Pilbara as well, um, which was quite good. That was, uh, yeah, a lot of cool reptiles up that way. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And, and with that fish that you said, the salamander, fish um is that possible to relocate how does that work with um, sort of a fish well, if wetlands are being they, damaged? they are looking they are looking at some other potential work with those fish because they, they essentially are just found in, in wetlands that dry up each summer um and i suppose one of the things they're worried about is with climate change the wetlands are drying for longer periods but they have found that like roadside pits almost where they've just excavated um on the edge of wetlands to raise some of these roads. They're actually surviving in a lot of these pits that are just deeper than the surrounding wetlands. So one of the thoughts they've got is looking at potentially relocating them into artificial ponds and things like that down in the same areas. And some of those, you know, for, I suppose, firefighting, they've got some of these excavated pits for water sources in the forest. So firefighters can come in, basically drain the water out for when they need to fight fires, but they're thinking they could potentially use those as a source for those fish as well. So it's something that I think they are considering, but I mean, it's the same with any research. There's always lengthy approvals processes and you've got to get a whole bunch of stakeholders on board. So I don't know whether or not that's going ahead. And, but it's, yeah, it's something that I think they're, they're looking into. So when you go out and have to relocate, you know, species for developments or whatever, what's the goal? Is it 100% of the, you know, species trying to relocate or... Do you have an idea of, you know, there's 25 native bandicoots in this area? Or endangered, you, yeah. Or endangered. Do you go, if we can get 23, that's good enough? Or how do you figure out, you know, how many to get? Yeah, so with, I suppose there's 
a couple of different approaches. Sometimes you'll just you'll essentially get what you get, you know, for things like certain reptiles and that where they're not endangered or they're not really high profile. You essentially just you'll set a standard trapping period. You know, I might say a five night trapping period in the lead up to the clearing, but then during the clearing we would also follow around the bulldozers as well. So that way if anything's kind of there and once a shrub's disturbed, sometimes you'll see a lizard or, you know, snake come running out and you'd, you'd go and, I suppose, capture it. But things like bandicoots, we often did similar approach where you'd trap beforehand, but you needed to have multiple consecutive nights in a row with no successful traps before you could then go, all right, we've, we've kind of exhausted our effort here. Mm-hmm. So you might say, all right, we're going to trap for five nights. For the first four, you might catch a bandicoot, and then on the fifth night, you don't, but you're still going to have to trap again because there's no consecutive back-to-back. So sometimes it would extend, and, and you might go, you might have one night where you don't catch them, and then the next day you do catch them again, and it kind of resets that period again. So, yeah, there's different approaches depending on what you're looking for. But, yeah, that was kind of some of the approaches we used. And is there a minimum size of bushland, which, which then requires you to go and do some of those relocations? Or is it just any no, sort of thing? I mean, it's, it, the, the problem is with those housing development ones as well, all the local governments seem to have different standards and different um, processes, and also the developers that are involved as well. They've obviously got their own internal procedures, and, and there's all a whole bunch of different approvals. It, it's quite different with the planning acts and things like that. You don't always get the same set of conditions that you might get. It's It's changing a bit when they're impacting on areas where there's threatened species so with things like the carnaby's cockatoo the black cockatoo that's around perth that's getting a lot of you know a bit more public attention now and that one a lot of the consideration with that is as soon as you're clearing more than one hectare you're pretty much deemed to be having a significant impact on that species so they'll be doing you know surveys for hollows in the area checking out what the foraging habitat quality is um, and, you know, quite often the developers and, and other companies, so if it's a mining proposal instead, they'll then have to actually offset that impact as well. So that that could be whether or not they might do a revegetation project or they might have to go and purchase a parcel of land somewhere else and kind of lock it up for conservation as well. So It's interesting you say with the carnaby cockatoos, they're the ones, they're the black ones with, I think, the red or the yellow sort of tails, is that correct? Not close, but the so they've got the they're the black cockatoos with the white, oh, um, the white. on them. Yeah. The red tailed black cockatoos, they're also a threatened species at the moment as well. And they actually do fly into Perth as well in some of the areas. But yeah, they're all treated I suppose they share there's a lot of overlap between those as well. So if you're impacting one quite often you're actually impacting the other one as well. Yeah. And what does the future look for them? Because I've heard various things where they're very threatened through other birds and also through bees i think taking their taking sort of environments where they usually have their chicks and things like that is that true yeah that's right so honeybees that's a big thing that is actually a problem here in wa so they're obviously introduced they're not a native bee species we we do have a lot of native bees here but none really form the big hives and and honey producing like the honeybees do Uh, but they have actually been taking over a lot of hollows so I mean, even when you walk around some of the local parks in Perth, you'll see hollows in trees and you'll just see the bees just coming in and out of them because they've essentially taken over and that's where they've put their hives. So that is a big problem. And that's where a lot of the work they've been doing with the cockatoos is designing suitable artificial hollows. So now, you, again, around Perth, there's a lot of bushland now that has these big black tubes essentially chucked up in these trees. And... They're designed, obviously, to get the right angle for the birds and the right size and depth and all that, but it also restricts bees, like the bees don't like them either. So that's kind of a way forward for them. Obviously, the ideal is, you know, no, no more loss of their suitable nesting hollows and things like that, but it's, you know, the reality of it is there's still going to be development and it's a matter of finding a way forward and how they can best balance that. So whether it's through offsets or installing artificial hollows and doing revegetation projects, yeah, there's, I think in terms of the future for the species, there's a lot of people are worried about them because they've also become so reliant on the pine plantations mm. around Perth, but now the pine plantations are also being harvested because they're essentially impacting on the groundwater supply. They're a very thirsty tree. 
So they'll draw too heavily on the groundwater and then lower the groundwater levels. So the state government are essentially wanting to clear all the remaining pine plantations up this way. But they don't, a lot of the community groups don't want that because the carnivores are relying on them for, for a food source. So, yeah, it's a bit of a catch-22 because there's obviously environmental impact one way from the groundwater impact and one the other way if you remove the trees because the birds are losing out on a um, food source. So it's one of the many challenges with the environment field. <laughs> yeah. I saw there was a, was a native blue bee on your Facebook, which I thought bees were always just yellow and black, and that was it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So the blue banded bee, they're a really cool species, and they're all across Perth. So, you know, if you live near bushland or you have some certain native plants in your garden, you'll probably get them from time to time. But even the, the veggie patch, so that's where I quite often see them in ours, is they'll buzz pollinate the tomato plants in the veggie patch. So you'll see them come down and they'll latch onto the flower, kind of bend in half and just start buzzing rapidly and that's what opens up the flower to release the pollen. Wow. So yeah, really cool species. So is that something like, um, at the moment, a lot of people are very aware about the environment and are doing their bit to recycle more and I guess conscious of, of their environmental footprint. Would you say getting native plants is definitely also another step to, uh, to help the environment? Yeah, definitely. I would. I, I try and encourage it everywhere I can. Try and convince my family members and stuff as well to to get some native plants in their garden. Because I mean, there's there's two. No, well, I mean, there's multiple benefits to it. But you know, as a household owner, you're using a lot of water to keep some of these other more tropical plants and things like that alive. Whereas if you start planting natives, they're adapted to the environment that we're in. Yeah. And you know, once they're established, they require very little water. So that's a pretty easy win for you there, you know, having to splurge out loads of cash on extra water to keep them alive. Um, but again, then you've got the native animals that are going to benefit from it. So whether it's birds or insects like the native bees, you'll basically be inviting them into your garden essentially by having the native plants in there. So I think it's definitely worthwhile. Yeah, I've got a few in my little courtyard here. We're trying to have more and more natives. We've got um, kangaroo paw and bottle brush and things like that i've got a bit of a another random question for you that sort of popped up in my brain quite regularly is uh dingoes so i we did a trip up north last year to exmouth we didn't see any dingoes but i know dingoes are sort of are they classified as almost a pest in western australia yeah so they it's i think it's because of the agricultural regions yeah they view them as a pest it's a very yeah it's kind of one of these controversial topics where some people really don't want them on their land at all, and then you've got the, you know, looking at it from a conservation point of view, they want them. And they've done recent genetic analysis and stuff, though, that's, that's shown, you know, a lot of the dingoes that are persecuted, they're, they're deemed, you know, they're being claimed, or they're just wild dogs that have hybridised with dingoes. Mm-hmm. But they've actually shown that that's not the case a lot of the time. A lot of the time, they actually are pure dingoes, and they're basically being killed just for, you know, the bad public image that they've got, essentially. Yeah, there is work being done in certain areas of Australia as well where they're actually looking at reintroducing dingoes because one of the biggest problems for native animals in Australia at the moment is actually ferals from feral cats and feral foxes, which have been killing a lot of our medium-sized mammals. And dingoes, they think, could actually help be the part of the solution to that because they almost out-compete. You know, they basically scare off foxes and, and cats and also you know, they will predate on them as well. So they're thinking that might be part of the solution, but it's a very complex matter because obviously agricultural landholders don't want them on their land because they suspect, you know, they're killing sheep and things like that. So it's, yeah, it's a sensitive topic, I think, and it's one that I don't think is going to have any solution Australia-wide. I think it's going to be a bit of a piecemeal approach depending on the regions. I've got a pest, you know, <clears throat> crows. Is there anything, anything you can help do about those? Gary, because they, they really piss me off. <laughs> <laughs> they are noisy buggers, I can tell you that. But yeah. <laughs> I, actually quite, I actually quite like crows, but I know not many people do. But <laughs> what do you like about I, crows? I, 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 I just think they're a cool bird. They're, they're smart, just smart buggers, you know. They're yeah. Just, yeah, they're just clever, you know, quite intelligent. But yeah, they are noisy, I'll give you that. So, yeah. you know, they, <laughs> you don't certainly want a group of them outside your window first thing in the morning. 
No, that's why us, because I've got a group of them outside of my window every morning, just <laughs> just doing what they do, yelling and screaming like a bunch of idiots. So, I mean, you can buy those fake birds of prey. I don't know how much how well they work, but I've seen people chucking them on their balconies and things like that. Yeah. It almost looks like a big fake giant owl. Yeah. And supposedly, because it's a bird of prey, it's meant to scare off smaller birds. But I don't know how well they would work on crows, they'd probably figure it out pretty quickly. Is there any way I could buy, I don't know, a real bird of prey? Do you think? <laughs> Just go grab yourself a wedge tail eagle yeah, it does, and yeah. keep it on your porch. If you know any, you know, black market ones, just let me know. <laughs> Thanks, mate. What are your... Um... Off air, mate. Yeah, cool. <laughs> what are your thoughts on bringing back extinct animals? On bringing back extinct animals? Yeah, for example, I know... I think it's, is it maybe Japan or, or so? They've been, they're finding a lot of uh, mammoth bones and then up there in the, in the frozen tundra in, I think, far north Russia, there's still, every now and then they dig up a frozen mammoth, whether it's a baby one or a small yeah. one, and they're starting to get enough DNA and then maybe almost mixing it with, I guess, their nearest cousin would be an African or an Asian elephant. And then I think, I don't yeah. know, they're relatively close, yeah. maybe it's 10 years. What are your thoughts uh, on that? Uh, I think it would be really, <laughs> it would be a really cool thing to be able to do. Uh, there's obviously a lot of challenges that would come with it, a lot of ethical implications as well. I think that the researchers would have to deal with. I think for me that the ones I think it, it's a struggle because you think, well, if you can't currently conserve what we've got, you're going to pump all this money into bringing something else back, which then isn't going to actually have the suitable habitat for it anyway. Is it better off spending that money to conserve what we have and start protecting what we have to stop other species going that way? I think species that have become extinct, not by humans' hands, you kind of think, well, why are we bringing them back? Is it just yeah. because you know, just because you can, like because we've got the science and we could do it? Whereas I think you've probably got a stronger argument for bringing back, say, things like the thylacine, the Tasmanian tiger, because we know for a fact that was caused by humans we wiped it out um, and it was quite recent as well I mean some people obviously still think that it's out there but that's I suppose a whole nother topic I think one of the tricky things with the thylacine as well is that it, I think one of its closest relatives that are still alive is actually a numbat and you <laughs> probably couldn't <laughs> you probably couldn't have a baby thylacine with a numbat <laughs> don't think that would quite work so I'm not sure how they would get around that there's probably other species like quolls they might use I don't know but I think yeah, if they were going to bring anything back, I think ones that are more recent extinctions and caused by humans would be the way I would go because you've yeah. kind of caused something to go out which wasn't necessarily on its way out anyway because, you know, over time, animals are going to go extinct. It's, it's the fact of life. Even if humans weren't here, animals would be going extinct through changes in climate, habitat, things like that, or just being outcompeted. That's essentially what happens with evolution. But ones where we've firsthand caused it, yeah, you know, if you, you can put a bit of money into it and, and you can do it, I'd be interested to see where it goes. Would there be an environmental benefit to bring back, say, the, um, the thylacine? Well, there's, again, it might be, there might be the argument there that with it being more of a top-end predator, I suppose, you know, up that higher end of the food chain, that it probably does help keep things in check and keep things more balanced. And when you see that loss, if, you know, there's a lot of studies that done around the world of, when they've removed, say, wolves from an ecosystem and the whole ecosystem almost collapses for a period of time there because there's no longer wolves in place to keep the lower order, you know, the smaller predators or um, herbivores and things like that kind of in check. So bringing something like that back may actually have an environmental benefit, um, but there's probably not, there was probably never enough research done on that species to really know what pure role was in the ecosystem over there but again it may be that there is benefit but it could just be because hey we can do it let's do it mm. i guess yellowstone in the u.s would oh, be a yeah. good case study for that wouldn't they because they brought wolves back didn't they is that that druid pack yeah that's right yeah and part of the case part of the argument for that was because things like the elk and that were getting to our hand so they were almost overgrazing areas because they were just Basically, their population was just exploding because they didn't have any predate, you know, predation from wolves occurring within that part of the park. Yeah. 
and that's why they thought, all right, we'll bring them in, try and balance the ecosystem out. And, you know, from all the accounts that I've seen and heard about that, it does seem to be working. Wasn't there an episode of uh, <clears throat> The Simpsons where they had a, a rat problem, so they brought in snakes, and then they had to, like, eventually bring in bears? To, 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 you know, yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing, you, you know, especially when you look at Australia, we don't have a good track record of that either. So, um, you know, like the cane toad's a prime example of what not to do, and... You know, we thought we'll bring in a cane toad to eat the cane beetle in the sugar cane crops in Queensland, and then they didn't even eat the cane beetle, and they just exploded in numbers, and it just caused massive damage to the ecosystems in the north part of Australia. So, yeah, we're a case study of what not to do over here. Is that a battle that we've lost? Like, I know they're just trying to stop the spread into, I guess, Western Australia, right? And but is it? Well, it's already. Yeah, I mean, it's already in Western Australia. They're already up. They are. They've, they've reached essentially, yeah, they've reached the Fitzroy River as well, um, up that way. So they've, they've definitely got a foothold in the, the top end of WA now. Um, I think it's one of those things, there's a lot of research being done on them, and there are some quite interesting outcomes that they're getting. Like they've done these ones where they trap their tadpoles, so it essentially stops them getting to the adult stage. But I think the numbers are probably just too massive that I think it's going to be a matter of just minimising the damage now and probably trying to restrict how far they move into WA. I, to be honest, I don't think there's ever going to be a full eradication of the game toad. I think it's probably here to stay. Um, it's just a matter of now, yeah, minimising that damage. And there's been some cool work that they've done up that up north. I think it is in the Northern Territory. They were actually training quolls, um, like the Northern quolls, to actually get adverse reactions to eating um, cane toads. So they would feed them, like they'd be captive bred quolls and they'd be feeding them little bits of cane toad just to make it so they'd essentially become sick. And then they'd start reacting, going, all right, well, we know, but if I eat this bit of the cane toad, I'm gonna vomit. So they basically wanna then avoid it. So that's what they've been doing with quolls and then they'll release those um, quolls yeah, into the wild. And essentially, the, the hope is that they'll be passing on that trait to their, their young and then they won't eat cane toads and that way they'll still be able to survive. And they have seen in the wild some crows. So back to crows, your favourite bird. <laughs> they've learnt learnt to flip cane toads over and actually eat them without getting their toxic... Glands. Their little poison glands on the back of their, their neck so they flip them over and basically eat them from their stomach and that way they're avoiding it as well that's okay so, so yeah. they've learned so they've learned already so that 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 can be a benefit for crows mate and we can ship yeah we can ship them all home. up from june up to uh the northern territories <laughs> yeah. and get a little crow army <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> awesome we always ask our guests um what would you rather Okay. Have you I heard them before? Of on your, I have, yeah. <laughs> so Ben, Ben's got a few, I guess. I've got a. I tried to keep it, you know, in your field for the first one. So just don't worry. There's no animal husbandry or anything like that. We need to worry about. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the one that I had was: um, Would you rather fight off an angry chicken every time you got into your car, or fight an orangutan once a year on your birthday? That, that is a very good, very good question. I'd probably, I think I'll go the chicken. I think I'd probably take my chances. It'd be very frustrating doing it every day, but I don't know. Orangutans are pretty strong, so I don't know if I'd see my next birthday if I had to fight one every birthday. But, uh, fight to the death. You'd get a sword or something maybe for the orangutan, but... <laughs> well, that, that may change things. Yeah. I still reckon you'd probably, you'd, you know, go to swing. It would just grab your arm and be like, all right... But the thing with with the orangutan, if you hurt it too bad, you, you'd feel bad because they're so endangered. So yeah, the chicken just drive through KFC and be like, "I'll put, put this into yeah. a little bucket for us, will you, mate?" <laughs> <laughs> so the chicken, yeah, the chicken would, like you said, I think it would be just so annoying every day. You wake up, you're already late for work, and you go, "Oh man, that chicken's in there. I'm gonna <laughs> find that chicken." <laughs> but, I think I'll just start working from home more often. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What about you, Albert? Um, I'll probably go the chicken. Yeah. Orangutans are just big, they're strong, they're yeah. fast, yeah. they've got massive arms. But every year, so like, it, would just not, it wouldn't be to the death perhaps, it would just knock you out and every year you'd, you'd learn, right? And you'd come back, do some MMA. I then... think a chicken is just be easy, just yeah. maybe even kick it, unfortunately. <laughs> you're in your car, you're just like, you're, just, you're belted in and then all of a sudden, 
Just <laughs> I guess there's a chicken and there's a rooster. They're two different. Oh, yeah, so, okay, yeah. yeah. An angry rooster. Mm. All right. <laughs> Did you have, do you have another one? I've got one, but it's a bit of an R-rated one. I'm not sure if you're keen to answer it, Gary. <laughs> I'm, I'm keen to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I've got one. Um, I'll ask Ben, and then you can choose if you, if you would like to answer or not. Would you rather, Ben, yeah. live with a vagina on your forehead, <laughs> or would you rather have a penis on your cheek? <laughs> um, how big is this penis? <laughs> Just a normal size. Are we size. talking a BBC here? <laughs> a normal size one, okay. I think... I think the vagina on the forehead. I could just wear a hat and be covering up. <laughs> yeah. You know, you'd probably still show. Maybe. Oh, you mean a beanie, maybe? Maybe a beanie, yeah. yeah. Do that. I don't know. So I think that would be easier to, to hide. Sex would be interesting, but... Um, it's in addition to what you have. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I could choose to use that one for sex or not. <laughs> I guess you could. Yeah, okay. I still think the yeah, vagina head. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? <laughs> I'd probably go the vagina head too. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Gary? <laughs> I, I, would, I would have to go the vagina on the forehead. <laughs> You'd have to. I'm not, I'm not having a penis dangling on my cheek all day. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> And yeah. especially if it's on your cheek, mate, even when you're trying to eat food and things like that, uh, it's getting away. Uh, hot soup. Oh, oh God, it's stuck in hot soup. <laughs> yeah, good call. Thanks for joining us. For people who are interested in, I guess, following your journey, your conservation journey, you've got a lot of really cool photos and, and stories about those photos on your Instagram. Um, how can we learn and see more about that? Yeah, so, yeah, obviously jump on Instagram. So... My uh, handle on that is go underscore enviro. So if you chuck that into Instagram, you'll be able to see all my um, photos on there. And on my page as well, there's a little link to a blog that I put together okay. um, a while back. But I haven't really done much in it in recent times, to be honest. I need to get back into it. It's probably been a year or something since I posted on the blog. But um, there's quite a few old articles on there, just essentially of different cool animals we had in WA and also um, a bit more green living tips that you can do yourself just around the home and in the garden just to help the environment, help the wildlife. Sounds good. Thanks heaps. That's cool. Um, recover from your COVID and have a good rest of the weekend. Awesome. Thanks, fellas. Thanks, Thanks very much, going. mate. See you later. Cheers. Call ended. Great chat. Another good chat. I don't know where we keep digging up these interesting people, eh? Like... <laughs> I didn't think we knew this many, like the calibre of people that we've had on the show. Uh, we've, we're having really interesting chats and that yeah. was something different that we haven't even spoke about, I guess, in the preceding 11 episodes. No, because you, I mean, you are quite the environmentally minded person as yeah, well. Yeah, I guess I am. And I, I, it sounds weird. I've been thinking about Gary for a while. <laughs> <laughs> just in the shower. <laughs> just, <laughs> no, in terms of the podcast. Oh, and, okay. And he does post a lot of really cool photos, um, wildlife photos and things. Mm. Previously, what he said, where he used to work at um, some of those trans locations or trans relocating or whatever mm. the proper term is for that. So um, good to have him on and, and chat about the environment. Yeah, because there was one other thing that I saw on his uh, Facebook, I think it was. He, he was at Bunnings and found a, a plant or a little tree, a little mm -hmm. plant. And it was rediscovered in 1994. Apparently, it was, it was thought to be extinct and it was like a prehistoric wow. tree. And the little blurb on the sticker said, it's like finding a small dinosaur in your backyard. Like, that's how long ago. That's they, awesome. Yeah, they thought it was extinct. But <laughs> yeah, so it's interesting stuff like that, yeah. Cool. So let's go to our blend this week in Can You Drink It? I've gone pretty lazy. Can you drink it? Or um, <laughs> can Will it blend? Can you drink it? I wanted to do something a little bit more interesting. But then when I had a look at it in more detail this morning, I realized it would have required about 40 minutes of work. Okay. So I declined that and I've gone something really, real lazy, I guess. So For our rochers. <laughs> blended. Yeah. Um, so let's go and blend it. All right. Let's do it. Alrighty. So we have our blend in Can You Drink It? So today we have banana milk with mango sorbet. A little bit of rum and some vanilla sugar. When you say banana milk, you haven't milked a banana. Like it's banana. <laughs> it's <laughs> banana flavored milk. Is banana flavored yeah, milk. Banana That's flavored. So Viva, Viva again. Yeah. yeah, you can smell mango and rum. 
Ooh, that's good, eh? That's interesting. That's good. <laughs> I wasn't sure about it. We've gone just from absolute shit, it will not drink. Yeah. To, so I think maybe in the coming weeks we're going to have to do another one where it's just it's terrible out of this world maybe we could slightly alter the segment to how well will it drink how because, well will it drink? <laughs> because I don't want to go back to beet pies <laughs> that, that or was, quiches ke- hmm nah there's, there's no form of food that really seems to blend other than cake so we're getting to the end of this podcast I believe we've got a, one or two things to talk about I have something I want to talk about. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned earlier this week, you messaged me and said, how about we do one of those DNA tests to see once and for all who has the most German in them. (laughs) (laughs) We can put that to rest. And I thought, yeah, that's a good idea. It'd be interesting to find out a few things about ourselves, I guess, and our history. So I think we'll do that. And it's sort of fed into the philosophy that I've been looking at this week and the paradoxes so i'm going to ask you a question and let's see see what your thoughts are so if you, if you did an ancestry dna test and you found out that hitler was your grandfather mm-hmm. and you had the ability to go back in time and kill him would you do it knowing that effectively you're erasing your existence and probably your mum's existence and so on until... Probably. Well, definitely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, wasn't expecting that then. <laughs> that is a big question. So I think most people would say, yeah, they'd go back and kill him yep. to avoid a lot of people dying at mm-hmm. the time. Yep. So a lot of uh, particularly Jewish people and minorities who, who weren't in his way of thinking, I guess. A lot of Chinese, a lot of Russians died. Just a lot of people died. Um, in saying that, do you think it would have, if Hitler wasn't around, it would have been someone else at the time? Well, that was sort of another question I had. So, like, yeah, you maybe all you've done is delayed the inevitable and whoever was, you know, the next Hitler, mm-hmm. he went on and 120 million people died in the resulting war yeah. or something. You don't know that. But let's just pretend by you doing it, it stops the Second World War from occurring and 60 million people 60 million, where's that number from? I'm pretty sure that's the number of people. I think you've inflated that. No, it's not. Like the current... Um, I'm pretty sure it's around that figure. Cost of living at yeah. the <laughs> But I would say, general, generally, you'd say, yeah, okay. You would? You would, you'd but... Sacrifice yourself? A part of me says, no, there's someone else who would have, who's worse. There's people who have been worse, I believe. So part of me says, no, just go with it. Because someone it else would have maybe jumped in. It's a tough one. Like there's other people. There's Stalin and all these other people. Who were yeah. pretty bad. My wife's looking at me <laughs> right now. I don't know if I've said that. I think the answer is... Yeah, it's probably, it's probably to kill him. But I would understand if people go to someone else who would have taken his place. Okay, interesting. How about you, Ben? I think you probably have, you know, if you knew it was going to work, you'd just have a responsibility to save all those lives, right? Yeah, yeah true. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but no, Albert's quite selfish, all right? No, <laughs> I did say... Yeah. I did go with, yeah, the same as yeah. what you said, but I understand people would so, be thinking otherwise. So I thought, I actually thought that would be like a no-brainer, the hit the one, yep, go back, save, save a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, where, do you, where would you draw the line, like finding out that you're related to a particular person, say like Ted Bundy, who's killed 100 people or whatever, he, he was, he's killed. Yeah. Do you go back and kill him and then effectively stop yourself from existing so you kill him before you kill hitler no hitler's out of the question now i'm, I'm related to yeah. ted bundy so it turns out so someone who's also evil but significantly less and by killing that person you've still wiped yourself out but you've only really saved 100 people or something like that <laughs> these are hard questions really yeah because generally if you can save a life you do it so you'd say all right yep. go back and kill him he was a pretty horrible person and then you've, you've, you've destroyed yourself, yeah. you don't exist anymore. But I, at this stage of my life, I haven't really done anything super special. So. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go, a kid. Yeah, but you know what I mean? I haven't changed yeah. the world or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, this, this is like a rabbit hole that I just uh, kept going down. I was like, where do you start? This, you? Is, this is why you do not sleep. This is why I do not sleep, yeah. Um, and there was another one where I thought, like, if you found out that you turn out to be a bad person, yeah. would you go forward in time and kill yourself? <laughs> 
and then obviously you would live up until that point where you've killed yourself like so many different things there's actually a TV show called Dark yeah which is time travel and something similar happens in that I haven't watched the end of it but one of the hero characters the good characters his self or him in the future yeah is a real bad person yeah but at the time during his 20s his 30s 40s he's a really good guy mm-hmm. but I haven't watched the end of the show so, so I don't know what happens but yeah I think you can change so if you know you're going to be like that I think you can change who you are you think yeah Yeah. okay interesting there's, what about there's just one cataclysmic event that's out of your control and you're like ah oh, you snap and then <laughs> nah. see yeah but yeah so that's what I've been thinking about this week <laughs> <laughs> wow good one wasn't expecting that so before we go recently we've been doing a lot of guests the movies so I thought maybe let's give Guess the Movie a break this week and mm-hmm. do Guess the Sound. Okay. Which was actually a challenge in finding something that wasn't super obvious, that was maybe sort of funny or gross. Yeah. Which is what we're really about. <laughs> <laughs> I, went, I went pretty, I think I went pretty obvious actually. Okay. So let's go. Uh, we, now we're going to have the inevitable, can we connect to the device problems? <laughs> All right, let's do it. Do you want to do yours first? Let's do mine first. Okay. So they're very short sound bites. I think I've given you like oh, five Have you seconds. done like a two minute one again? <laughs> I think I did five I'll seconds. do it one more time because it is short and okay. I'll give you a clue. Okay. So it's something you consume. Something I consume. Um, Sounds like you're dropping a chicken on a bench top. <laughs> <laughs> something you consume. consume. Something you consume. Let me do it one more time. I, I, I give up. What is that? Breakfast. Breakfast? Yeah. I'm throwing wheat bix into a bowl. They sound heavy. How heavy are your wheat bix? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> okay. <All right>. Wow. <laughs> it's like a bowling ball into a bowl. All right. I'll What's give... your one and a half minute one? I think they're five seconds. Ah, here we go. Brushing your teeth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which do you do that? Six times a day? No, no, just twice. Okay. This one could be a bit tough. Okay. Let's do it. <laughs> do it one more time. No, it sounds like you're cracking your knuckles or something. Yep. It is? Yep. Oh, really? Yeah. Far. Oh, yes. <laughs> Actually, that was cracking my toes. Oh, was it? Your toes? Oh, oh, but oh it, Jesus Christ. I had the, the phone very close to the okay. toes, so it's not that That's bad. so loud. <laughs> All right, let's see if you can guess this one. Is that a blender? No. Play it one more time. Okay. Hmm. I'm almost thinking that's like a card shuffle machine or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I went out and purchased a card shuffle. <laughs> you want it one more time? Or yeah. <laughs> Is this all obvious or? Uh, I don't know, maybe. No, I don't know. It's a vacuum cord clean, a vacuum cleaner cord being retracted. Good one. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, here's my last one. Okay. I'll play it one. (laughs) It's like a a video game. (laughs) I'll play it one more time. It's not you ejaculating, is it? (laughs) No. (laughs) Think, Think about the first second. I think that gives it, not a way, but it gives you a clue. I have no idea. Does it sound like a Nintendo game? It sounds like a Nintendo, a game of some sort. It's an animal. It's a lyrebird. A lyrebird? Yeah, so a lyrebird is a bird from Australia. Yeah. And it mimics what it hears. And that's a... And that's mimicking maybe someone playing a Sega game on Nintendo, wow. but it does it does a really good job. That's, okay. That clip that I got that from, if you listen to it for longer, it mimics a kookaburra. It just is yeah. really good. Yeah. So it's a live bird. Okay. Jeez. All right. I've got one that you should definitely get. Yep. Is that a baby crying? <laughs> no, it's not. Play it again. 
Is that a goat? It's goats. Yeah, <laughs> it's goats screaming goats. Yeah. <laughs> I thought because you did those sounds for what breaks my goat, mm-hmm. I thought you would have heard those, but which we should do one more time. It's again. so hilarious. How so. good's this mix, by the way? Yeah, it is right. Really good. Yeah. You definitely can drink it. Yep. So I think we're done. Are we? I think we're done. I think yeah, I've given you a lot to think about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So that was a good chat with Gary. Next week, hopefully. Our guest ballerine who has got COVID. Yeah, everyone's getting COVID. You mentioned he had herpes, possibly. I can't rule that out. But uh, full-blown COVID. Yeah. So we'll get him on. Should be. Uh, what have we got? The, the the quiz. Yeah, we've got a quiz. We're going to try and break that world record again. Yep. And a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. Work, workplace pranks. Yeah. Oh yes, we'll touch back on that. Should, should be good. I think it'll be a good episode next week. Sounds good. Cool, mate. Thanks, Thanks Ben. No worries. Thank you. See you next week. See ya. If you die, can I have your car? Sweet. Ah! Curious ramblings. Oh, Bon Jovi!